Hi, my guest today is Anuj Jain, co-founder and CEO of Startup O, Southeast Asia's leading platform for startup assessments, investment, and scaling business. Anuj is a go-to market specialist with over 20 years of experience in FMCG MNCs, technology companies, and venture capital industry across um, across diverse markets in Asia. He's a strong proponent of the pay it forward philosophy and enjoys hanging out with like-minded entrepreneurs and investors. Originally from India and now in Singapore, he's a professional dreamer, loves traveling, and you might discover that he's a secret yogi. Welcome to the show, Anuj. Hey, thank you, Manisha, and congratulations for this initiative. so let's start with your early story growing up in india following the straight and narrow like all of us middle class indian yeah. kids right 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 no so early memories were uh, really filled with some uh, you know beautiful moments because i was heavily into painting so uh, if i look back i, I just see myself painting uh, for, for for you know a, a large amount of time uh, as a, as a young being and then it uh, graduated into playing cricket with different form of street cricket to optimize the space i think that was the most innovative things that we guys used to do at that time and uh, now people talk about 2020 but hey that was most innovative and uh, the third thing that 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 you know uh, when i when i look back what what appeals to me is the sense of connectedness because i was part of a very large joint family system in old delhi area in india and come from a business family which was very well knit but even the surroundings in old delhi was was the sense of com- community and i think uh, you know when i was trying to connect the dots and with 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 my present with uh, early impressions i guess these things of you know uh, having fun with like minded people creating stuff and uh, looking after each other as a community sort of became the central theme but frankly uh, come from a very simple middle class family like all of us as you said and uh, you know the the values of relationships hard work honesty all that typical bollywood middle class family masala was there in my family <laughs> too but uh, and 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 obviously as, as as we all know that education was uh, you know seen as a passport to freedom That's from the humdrum existence or semi socialist liberalized india at that time and uh, same thing my dad wanted me to be an engineer because they didn't know anything better and uh, and and unfortunately uh, i i had this longing to do some creative work i was heavily into theater uh, was painting most of the times and in the culture scene and was considered a little bit of a black sheep in my simple family uh, unfortunately my own scoring which was decent not uh, i was not a topper or kind of but I, i always scored well that stood in the way for my doing creative work uh, early on and uh, as you know right in, in those days in india if you are a good student you go to science if you are poor you go to arts and it's such a sad situation in in those days so i i ended up doing physics honors from university of delhi and uh, reluctantly but i did well and 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 again i tried to break away i think that's a theme of my life you know trying to just uh, making that that meaning and channelization of your own expressions uh into things that you'd like to do right so i tried to break away by that time i was heavily into psychology i was on my own reading tons of tomes uh, from sudhir kakkar to fryer to you know uh all kind of man watching books and all this stuff i was very very interested in understanding what makes 
uh, humans tick or you know why do they behave the way they do and i i remember a incident where i ended up in arts faculty and asking to get admission into masters of psychology after completing my physics honors and as always the system was hey if you are not from this particular stream you are in a waiting number 16 and i never made it there what i found instead is that i was sitting in masters of nuclear physics learning to make atom bombs almost and uh, one fine day i literally walked off from from that class totally disillusioned with what my life uh, what i'm going to do with that and uh, without the knowledge of my parents was actually writing scripts for a lot of friends who were trying to audition for various top 10 programs and other tv boom that india was seeing so i i really dabbled in figuring it out what i need to do in life one thing led to another uh, i found myself in an interview with procter and gamble at that time india was liberalizing uh, they needed uh, you know uh, smart guys to sell mnc wares and they were paying heavy money so not a bad deal was not doing anything significant anyways uh, ended up in procter and gamble was my first institution that taught me a lot the ability to uh have a discipline and uh it uh, amazing learnings uh, looking back and i was kind of you know finally feeling that i'm settling in into a career a job i was doing very well i had a fantastic appraisal i still remember uh, i still keep that appraisal and uh, some interesting stuff happened at that point of time that after promoting me and i was one of the fastest promotee there my boss uh, and i still remember his name and i'm in touch with him mahesh puri he called me and without any soliciting for mentoring and all he actually told me that i want you to resign and i want you to go to study uh, you know your your proper business school and you go you have more potential and 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 i'll talk to the top bosses for for a, for a vacation for you so that you can you know study and i was like totally uh, dumbfounded but that laid some foundations for my strong belief in paid forward there are angels there are people who you know uh, have their the 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 goodness which can impact others and i think in 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 the work till now we are trying to uh, i'm trying to kind of express that in some way or the other all through my life because of that act of kindness that really shaped my life for the down so i got two months of vacations where i paid vacations where i had to study and if i got into a good management institute i would go ahead otherwise i could come back to the job that was a great security for a middle class mind and uh, thankfully i got into uh, one of the top management institutions and uh, you know like a mba life uh, most of the things that you learn are completely wasteful what i remember from my mba days is only two takeaways one was i guess uh, obviously was my wife uh, who was my <laughs> life partner now and was my classmate and the second only thing that stood out frankly was a concept that that was influencing without positional power and ardeen at that time still used to really have a you know a lot of emphasis on that and it was weaved in into that 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 whole academia in a very interesting manner so i i i think even today's time of you know where where social media and other aspect i think this influencing without uh, powerful authority uh, authoritative position this is one of the key things which uh, all of us need to imbibe and you know after after mba i was feeling that my parents and my middle class dream was fulfilled i was into a mnc job cushy well paid management all things seemed to settle got married at the time when i sensed that i'm settling this inner streak i i believe we all manifest what we are deeply you know what what we truly are deeply within right so hunted for becoming part of the core team 
to usher in internet to a billion people kind of a vision and uh, got involved in setting up one of the first ISPs in India. So we provided a tie-up with Dutch Telecom and it was pretty interesting team. That was my first, I tasted blood with what a startup is all about. And the team was fantastic. I mean, I still in touch with all of them and uh, my, my, my team as well as my bosses and we are very, very close. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, things, things did very well for us for a couple of years, but then 9-11 happened and that was my first taste of your best well laid out plans, how they can go here and there. So you got to be ready because before that, everything was pretty structured and steady. So 9-11 happened. And that's when you moved to Singapore? Yeah, no. yeah, so I had no plans, to be very frank, to move to Singapore. I didn't even know that I would ever go to Singapore. It's just that 9-11 happened one fine day and things rolled out very fast after that in our company. I kind of quit and thought that I will you know, do something. But my wife was in Singapore for a project for three months at that point of time. And she told me that don't just cry out there, <laughs> just come over and, you know, chill for a while and then figure out, figure something out. And that just casual trip to Singapore had become now almost a 20 year love affair with the city, which is which has been very kind to me. And uh, I just frankly landed as a tourist, but I bumped into a few people, total serendipity and uh, ended up starting a company, uh, you know, uh, with, with somebody who was setting up, partnered and started, uh, you know, uh, pitching. Uh, totally different than what I was doing. Uh, we got Visa, we were working with SQ, Media Corp, and suddenly I was, uh, you know, consulting Visa on how to increase penetration of platinum cards in Asia, which was weird to myself uh, as well, but there was a necessity. You have to be out there, do something, and I think we were getting, uh, you know, successful in our pitches. So life was pretty interesting, very adventurous. But then again, SARS happened in 2003 and something, and our, our business uh, suffered. Uh, I can totally empathize with what's happening with SMEs and COVID because I was that in 2002, 2003, and we couldn't uh, survive SARS. At that point of time, I thought, you know, I'll go back to India or something. But again, uh, as luck would have it, I was headhunted by this uh, guy called Gonzalo Bick, who is currently the CEO of uh, Bick uh, globally. And he was sent to Asia at that time to structure Asia. And it happened so that he had hunted me and then we got along very, very well at, the, at that point of time. And, 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 and you know, uh, I was with Big for 10 years after that, uh, shaping Asia, building business in 13 countries from scratch. And I'm so, so thankful for that exposure, which allowed me to learn Asia from grounds up, where I worked in uh, Japan very intensively along with markets like Korea, China, and then uh, develop them in Southeast Asia. So, you know, it was a beautiful role. You are representing the continent. You are, uh, but but I, I always look back at Bic and saying it was a corporate accelerator for me because I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly very, very fast in what people do in 20 years career. I've seen it in 10. And I was representing, you know, going to board meetings, world-class travel, creating products, launching globally, uh, hiring teams, and, and also saw the ugly part of politics and, you know, uh, whatever, what, what have you. So it was very interesting, uh, you know, intense time. Uh, and at that point of time, I was, uh, when I again felt for the third time in my life that I'm settling in and have settled, uh, new things started happening around me. I met uh, this guy called Sangeet Paul Chaudhary, 
who is now a, a global expert. And whenever I meet him, I tell that that he influenced my thinking the most around that time with uh, with platform thinking. He's known for uh, this whole work on platforms. At the same time, I was uh, quitting playing golf as a corporate honcho and uh, hanging out with some entrepreneur friends who quit their job by then and were already doing some stuff. And this whole idea of, you know, technology companies coming up and this, this, this and I, I, this whole uh, cloud of there's a new way uh, shaping up. And, and I was, and there I was in, in a very, very, very inventive and enterprising company. I, I must say because highly entrepreneurial, but still old supply chain and old fuddy-duddy sort of uh, ways uh, were there. So, so this this again prompted me to you know look into the direction of where the future is going, and I somehow connected with those people. Used to go and hang out with some accelerators, started mentoring, and that's those six to eight months gave me a little bit of a, a peek into what startup uh, and technology game was all about. And uh, when the red pill blue pill moment came, before you know you go to some other country or. For, for transfers and other uh, internal uh, movements, uh, I realized that's an opportunity. Actually, looking back, it was very tough decision because very foolhardy to, to think for any corporate honcho to quit cushy jobs and jump into uncertainty. But uh, I have to thank my, you know, uh, the, the, the support that I have in life. So I just kind of jumped straight in, started creating, uh, you know, starting my startup journey at that point of time. And that was 2012. What a journey. 2012 end. Yeah, I yeah, know it's been a roller coaster as you can feel. <laughs> no, what a lovely journey. Um, it also seems like a happy journey up until this point with, um, you know, things sort of unraveling, but at the same time, something else popping up. Um, so what, what's what's the reason you started Startup O? Oh, what's the purpose? So as, as I just mentioned that I quit uh, the corporate... Uh, uh, honcho-ness uh, around 2012 end and so it's almost eight years and startup started in 2016 so between 2013 and, and 15 end I was uh, you know doing uh, I started with just creating my own start the easiest thing because I have done so much in corporate world right but frankly speaking how many slaps I got when you actually walk the walk is something that's staying with me till now and that gives me that compassion uh, it totally depends on chance. And uh, a lot of such things um, did not allow my startup to flourish at that point of time because I had to unlearn and then relearn the rules of engagement in a completely new space. And it was not easy. And financially, emotionally, and, and, and that year-long journey was something that I think uh, I, I wish everybody can go through, but uh, successfully, uh, because it's not easy to, you know, to, 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 to go through such transitions. However, I was, I, I'm a firm believer of uh, serendipity and increasing the probability of your success by being out there rather than, you know, cooking up ideas in your head. So I was really walking the walk and, you know, I knew I had no network in this space, so I had to recreate everything from scratch. So I was out there almost uh, all the time and meeting people and understanding, learning at the same time, you know, trying to uh, figure out that where do I fit into this whole ecosystem. 
and I, I was I was again when 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 you walk the walk, I believe uh, you know serendipity and luck has its own part. I, I met some fantastic people. I met uh, you know Leslie Lowe is one of the venture capitalists here, but he was also a big educationist, and he saw that I had a lot of go-to market experience in in Asia, which is rare. Today, everybody wants to join a startup. In those times, there are very few people like my kind of experience who willingly were going in and trying to work out with startups, right? So, so he said, why don't you come and, you know, uh, we are creating a boot camp for startup founders early stage and you should teach. So he made me, uh, you know, which was, which I realized was very natural for me. And, and I trained next three years, every weekend, over 200 founders through a very structured six weekend long boot camp. And that was one of my, you know, most uh, beautiful memories because hanging out with these founders, who all were like corporate dropouts or college dropouts and like they're trying to make it happen. And, and you know, by, by learning their journey, I got so many insights and I'm thankful to, you know, all of them, which allowed me to create Startup O uh, along with my co-founder later on. But at the same time, while I was preaching on weekends, I was practicing on weekdays, scaling off a startup. And that I have to give credit to Amit Anand and Anurag, who are founders of Jungle Ventures which is a very renowned VC firm. At that time, they believed in me and got me into scale one of the struggling single founder company in FNB SaaS. And they said, hey, why don't you come and help us scale the company because you know Southeast Asia well. So I helped for two and a half years, uh, you know, uh, as a CMO and head of sales work, uh, scale that company in multiple countries in, uh, in Southeast Asia. And that company is still there and is growing, so it's happy. But this practicing and preaching uh, of, uh, you know, in the ecosystem of startups allowed me to learn very, very fast and observe that it's a very opaque, highly random and very inefficient and fragmented ecosystem, especially in Southeast Asia and India. So that, that became the basis of, you know, uh, you know and, and, and combined with the influence of platform thinking, uh, this vision came that there should be something which is a fair play platform for entrepreneurs who are trying to create and are able to create great solutions. But, you know, so if you look from this point of view, the technology, the way it has moved, has truly democratized the ability to create. Earlier days, they used to be in Ivy League uh, institutes or in academic research institutions. This innovation was a game which was pocketed. But because of this, uh, you know, cloud and broadband and, you know, social apps and all other technologies that are coming by, Everybody can create a solution and solve a problem locally. However, the rules to access capital and rules to access networks, which are very important for early stage entrepreneurs, are still very old world. You know, who you know and where you are uh, is very important. Uh, that decides, uh, you know, do you get access to capital faster than the other person? So there is a... I'll just add... I'll just add, sure, sure, sure. Anuj, it's in addition to who you know and, um, you know, how you access capital or where you yeah. are, it also is about who knows you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where you see what, what we call mafias is, 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 is nothing wrong with that. That's human tendency of familiarity. But you see, for the first time, the innovation is actually so widespread that that is not sufficient. That will always remain nothing wrong with it. But you need to have systems, you need to have uh, mechanisms and platforms which allow people from anywhere to express themselves, to prove themselves. And that's why our tagline is prove your metal, but prove to who? 
there are many venture capitalists, there are many investors who never created a business of their own, but they are deciding based on the Excel sheet, financial return uh, theory only, and nothing wrong with that again, but it's required. However, our belief or my personal belief in this journey is that entrepreneurs who had pain, who had seen the pain and the process of creating companies are best suited to assess others. And that's where we created Startupo, which is a platform, you know, where it's, it's, it's entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs thesis in terms of its assessment methodology, where, um, you know, entrepreneurs from many parts of the world who have created a solution can, can get assessed by other seasoned entrepreneurs who have already exited. They are series C founders. They are uh, very senior investors. And these are people who know the game. They assess, and we own the methodology and proprietary technology of converting qualitative assessments into data sets. And then ranking algorithms sort of decides in a very fair, bias-eliminated way who are the top-ranking startups where they get then plugged in into family offices and venture capital uh, on the platform on the other side. So, so it's a very fast and efficient way for entrepreneurs to access without even schmoozing or you know, meeting. The old school diligence happen after you have proven to a particular point rather than just going from demo days to demo days and doing a beauty pageant. So it saves a lot of time of founders. It's fair. It, it has a sense of community. It has a lot of exposure and amplification at almost no cost. Wow, that sounds like a that sounds like a great platform for anyone who's starting off without necessarily having to go through the pains of uh, knocking on multiple doors. That that that, that was the idea. Yeah. How did you find, how did you find your co-founder? So so Nitin Nath, who is uh, my co-founder, and I think uh, I call him he's an accelerator of uh, you know various uh, various uh, things visions that I was having at that point of time. He's a friend for 15 odd years, but an investment banker. And he was, uh, in, in our social group, was a little earlier to quit uh, corporate uh, thing in 2010 and, uh, and and getting into the entrepreneurial way, uh, you know. And, and, and at that point of time, when I was just going with this whole idea of platform thinking, he resonated a lot uh, with it over beers and, you know, casual discussions. And uh, with his own experience of uh, investing in, in startups, you realize that there is not there, the pain is not only uh, at the founder level, but the pain is also at investors who want to participate in this tech asset class. But there is no way uh, to you know uh, to, to 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 figure out you know there's so much white noise from the other side of the table. If you look at uh, you know if I want to buy a house, there is a very structured platforms and all this stuff on real estate. If you want to buy equities, buy any kind of other tech asset class. This is the only tech. Uh, this is the only asset class which is highly opaque, and like private equity. But in private equity, at least you have a lot of numbers. In early stage, it is all about feeling, voice clubs, and you know who is investing, and I'll just follow. It's like a bit of a fear of missing out game. It gives uh, it, it leverages the sense of transparency, a very value-driven, uh, you know, and a data-driven mechanism of letting investors in the different funds or family offices also know that what are the best uh, opportunities that are coming at scale because we are able to process a lot versus most of the times this industry works on hyper-local curation, uh, you know, accelerators and personal movement and connects and, you know, word of mouth. 
so we we've tried to build scale we've tried to you know bring transparency or data driven decisioning combined with old school diligence but at a speed which allows uh, for multiple companies to you know benefit from the whole thing and from all kind of investors who are institutional we don't go to you know uh, mostly to angels and it's not an angel or crowdfunding platform it's the other side of the platform is connected with venture capital and family offices which is a very big uh, segment who is looking to future proof uh, their businesses and wants to you know sort of have uh, some involvement in tech as class uh, in a structured and systematic manner which which this platform provides so Arush, it comes you, from you... you know structuring sorry Arush, can you tell me a little bit about this uh, data driven platform that you've actually got because um, you're working with very early stage companies which do yeah. not have too many too many data points to begin with right, right? Yeah. um and and then you're leveraging the experience of entrepreneurs seasoned entrepreneurs who are you know actually going through the entire yeah. process and doing qualitative assessments for you yeah. how are you combining the two no absolutely it's a good question so so essentially we do three things we do assessments and i'll tell you how it runs and we do venture capital and other platform for fund management and third what we do is business scaling is to leverage our networks across 15 countries and take these top rank companies on the platform and then work with them to grow their revenues uh you know and that's what we believe is a vicious cycle of uh, identifying discovering deserving entrepreneurs enabling them with capital and then getting involved with their lives to build a great company together now first comes the discovery and assessment part so we have partners across 15 different countries <clears throat> where we get uh, uh, product ready uh, companies so we are not going in a very very early stage like idea or pre pre uh, sort of uh, mvp stage company we are mostly dealing with product ready early revenue companies and these companies then uh, are recommended by our large network across multiple countries and we get roughly 250 to 300 deals recommended and we have a screening process which takes care of you know certain data points uh, to identify roughly 50 to 60 companies every quarter that goes through a process uh, it's a it's a 8 to 10 weeks process where each startup who is selected for this cohort gets from wherever they are and typically uh, we have now 2000 plus companies from 45 countries on our platform as you have proven yourself for creating something and creating some impact and you are screened out into the system then you are allowed to interact with uh, four to six different uh, seasoned entrepreneurs who assess you on different um, uh, dimensions so it could be your business model viability your financial diligence technology that is under the hood and investability so we have designed in a very very systematic manner we captured close to 200 data points during these assessments and the beauty of our system is that it no one person decides but we eliminate individual biases to rank the whole cohort in a very very fair fashion and what we own as a technology is to convert the qualitative assessments into quantitative data sets and that's where you can imagine 200 or data points per startups Uh, across these 50 60 startups every quarter uh, and the ranking algorithms then decide who are the top 10 which are then showcased to different ICs that are part of the platform on the other side so this is how this machine keeps running of discovery assessments which which is uh, obviously with the contribution of experts and decent entrepreneurs and data science then decides who are the top ones which are coming out uh, you know on the other side of the funnel 
and then VC funds and family offices get involved with their own IC and mandates to enable these companies. Very interesting. So beyond investment, so let's say a company <clears throat> secures investment on your right. platform. Right. Um, does startup also extend the ecosystem after they've been funded? Absolutely. I think that's the key thing. As I again observed during my journey prior to setting up Startup O, I wanted to get involved with the ecosystem. But frankly, there's no easy way except going to various demo days and events. And it's a high burn ecosystem. There are a lot of mentors who have not created anything of their own. But, you know, sometimes this is a very inefficient and luck by chance kind of uh, ecosystem. So we also realized that apart from raising funds, which was becoming a fashion at some point of time, and I'm happy that post-COVID it will not remain so, where fundamentals are going to be more important. Uh, but the, the real authentic entrepreneurs, they realize the value of getting revenues. And that's where we actually have this large uh, you know, network of uh, what we call experts or operators and people who know, uh, who are CXO level people who have connects in multiple industries, multiple corporates, they get involved with the top ranked companies, which have already proven that their product is worth it. Their entrepreneur team, entrepreneurial founder team is worth it. So there is no embarrassment when they open doors for these companies because everything is already proven on the platform. And this is a biggest opportunity going forward because you know the, the entrepreneurs have realized that Growing a startup beyond our geographies, startup all over again. And there's no other option but to keep raising funds and diluting yourself and hire expensive people and then again prove the metrics. So you get into a vicious cycle. We help these companies which have proven revenues, they have proven sales playbooks, and they have proven on our platform to open doors, uh, leveraging this uh, you know network of top-notch people that we have on a success uh, base revenue sharing. So most of the founders are damn happy of actually getting involved with our experts. And we have some fantastic success studies already. Uh, and and that, that brings us very close to founders because we are helping them build great companies. And then we pass on the baton. You know, at some point of time, they graduate to the next level, series A, series B. And we pass on the baton because we are not the guys who are going to take them to IPO. So that's the whole uh, process. And we play it as a collaborative community ecosystem where everybody's incentives are aligned rather than it's about me in the corner shop, you know. So do you, does Startup O acquire a stake in the yes. participating company? So as I said, the other side of the platform works with family offices as well as other VC funds. But we have a dedicated venture fund as well. It's called Startup O Ventures which uh, obviously looks into the top ranked companies and uh, take a stake in those companies. We have uh, so far on the platform with various funds that, uh, that, that were dedicated to startup uh, 20 odd companies have been invested, uh, which are what we call our portfolio companies and, uh, and, 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 and others are invested by some of the partner funds and uh, associated uh, pocket. Right. So Anuj, I'll shift gears now sure. and ask you what the end game is. End game. I wish there is no end game. Yeah, <laughs> that's the fear. <laughs> I really, you know, I've always, as you saw across the background, uh, always have the sense that meaning and money, money should come together. 
and uh, for for the yeah. first time i really felt that startup o the way the model is which is very very focused on entrepreneurs enabling them but at the same time providing utmost transparency and uh, you know uh, value to investors and these two pieces coming together uh, it's pretty beautiful to see how it's functioning and uh, i really wish there's no end game and we keep doing the good work uh, that we are doing uh, but from a, so frankly there's no plan that we are a cool startup ourselves and we just exit with multi billion dollars there's no such sense i think this is future of work we have created a highway which is very much aligned with way the people are going to be forced into entrepreneurship or they will be getting an insight that this is the best time to be an entrepreneur and i think our kind of a platform globally and we just did a us road show in last november and had a very good response to the platform we already have uh, you know some engagements with us companies and in the valley as well and i realized this not limited to singapore or southeast asia or india but it is a global platform and uh, and this is a time when so many corporate structuring is happening corporate jobs are getting lost there are people who are creating their own startups so they want to work with these growing tech companies tech is the way forward so i believe this is really going to be solid for next 15 20 years so i don't want any end game wait so at least that's that's honest anuj uh, thanks for that but um surely you have some fears something that keeps you up ah <laughs> uh, yeah of course i think the the you know i think the process of creation is very beautiful so when 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 we were creating this Uh, frankly we were in a flow mode and everything happened around us literally it, it, was, it was just beautiful those were the most beautiful times the first year and a half of sobs but when something comes to life much like our own kids you know then you become very protective then you become very fearful of losing what you have and i think that creates its own problems so we are going through that phase also now it's four years there's a lot at stake there's a lot that has happened so my biggest fear is that you know particularly with covid kind of situations various things are you know unknown unknowns that i i wish and to many others that god allows us to do you know the good work the way we are doing for a long time and it remains in a sustainable viable uh, way because it's not an easy industry uh, because everything is shifting sands all the time right always paranoid and i only like to believe what steve jobs said i hope paranoid will survive So, time for predictions. <laughs> What are your predictions given the current environment over the next eighteen months? Mm, a lot of fluff in the, in this ego. See, it's just like any gold rush, right? So, I mean, if you, if I look back four or five years back, it was a lot of vanity metrics based startups. People motivations were not many people's motivations were not at the right place. Similarly, the industry is so opaque, so it was also fueling that fire. and media plays its own part because the only news they carry is who's got funded so you know it seems like funding was the end goal to many people and i think that is going to stop so that's a beautiful part in my opinion after this is going through it's it's soul searching time i think roughly 40% of what we call startups today are not going to survive and uh, as i uh, recently in a panel i was just saying that uh, you know startups are of either you're creating a vitamin or a panadol or heroin so heroin kind of things which are like say the social networks and or any model which is like you really need it you're sticky to that whether it's service now or it's facebook doesn't matter but it is the dope 
and dopes never had a problem they are recession proof but the difference mostly uh, to 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 uh, average person comes in whether a startup is solving a problem or a pain like a panadol or is it like a vitamin which is good to have but i can live without it for a while so i think this good to have and, and i don't have a strong metrics i think are going to really suffer so in next 18 months is going to be good for people who are in panadol and heroin category because they will have more attention there is a lot of dry powder out there already venture funds have raised tons of money in last two years so it's going to be great time for people who are fundamentally focused and having revenue focused rather than just vanity metric focused the suffering is going to be severe in my opinion going to be in sme world which is very reliant on old ways physical infrastructure labor and you know the the product, the factors of production which was industrial age sort of a thing those i think i'm more concerned with and i think in large corporates which are legacy as well as smes there is, there will be a time in next 18 months when there is no choice but to adopt new ways and hence i like a, it's a curtain down for industrial age and it's ushering in of internet age finally formally and uh, we will look back 30 years down the line to this year as where actually these things shifted well said i think that's something that um, you know through the through this podcast one of the things that uh, i've been asking people various guests right uh, on their predictions i think everyone's looking at this future of work really becoming a reality mm-hmm. and like you rightly said whether it's the smes or these large corporates sort of set in their ways of doing things that's where the shake up actually is yeah. going to happen yeah um So yeah, absolutely. I think you're echoing uh, exactly that. No, no, absolutely. We are seeing it already in in many which ways. Yeah. All right. So, uh that's all we have time for today. Anuj, thank you so much for uh sharing your insights. It's been such a fantastic journey uh that you've had. It's uh, it's refreshing to hear your story. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, all the very best to you and to Startupo and uh, to the ecosystem that you're actually building. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, no, thank you so much for inviting me and uh, become part of the ecosystem. I mean, that's the way you are an authentic entrepreneur too. <laughs> so Why not? Thank you. Thank you and we'll I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Take care. Bye.